Patriots, and it's Sunday, March 26th, the end of Sunday. East Coast, you're always ahead of us. It's been a nice weekend. I hope everyone had a good weekend. We're going to start out with something a little different tonight, only because it's important and pressing. Um, and we're going to start out here in just a moment with a prayer for somebody that's requested additional prayers. One thing before we get going is to make sure that you're getting your good night's sleep. And I will tell you that lately I've been finding myself having to get force in extra hours of sleep, which I usually do at like three to five hours. But lately it seems to be a bit more. There's a lot of stress on us these days. And there's a lot of pressure being bared, put down upon us. And it's wearing us down whether you realize it or not. And good sleep is the center point of also a strong immune system. So MyPillow. MyPillow.com has all the sleep needs you're going to need. And with that, they've also reinvented the MyPillow. It's now MyPillow 2.0, which is an amazing pillow. I have a number of them. And they are as good as Mike says. In fact, let's just hear what Mike has to say about it. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. 
the my pillow guy and you're looking good still feeling good well just when you thought it couldn't get any better we've got the best pillow ever my pillow 2.0 when i invented my pillow it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow well now there's new technology that makes it even better my pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread my pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow the best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. I'll tell you, and that ad... The guy opens up his medicine cabinet and Mike Lindell is there. And I'd be like, honey, get me the shotgun. I love Mike, but there's no way I want him crawling into my medicine cabinet. But anyway, head on over to MyPillow.com. And that's uh, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. And you'll, uh, you'll have a very rewarding experience. And MyPillow products are just outstanding. I use them all over. And they're good and high quality and worthy of the of what you get. So, and plus, every dollar you spend there goes to fighting for liberty and getting this country back on track. So, we had a prayer on Friday. I'm going to read it first of all, and then we've got a follow up to this. And it says, um, and this is from Intrepid M, who's one of us and one of our members. Bards, one of our people in Bards Nation, says, we have a group of friends we call the Supper Club. We had all been out, and when Bob went home, he tripped up the stairs, fell backward, and hit his head. He's in the hospital and has had surgery, but is still bleeding in his brain, as well as brain swelling. The doctors are painting a grim picture. If he makes it, they say he'll have brain damage and may not know who anyone is, even himself. I believe in the power of Father to miraculously completely heal him if we ask and it's Father's will. Also, his wife, Sue, needs comfort from Father in Father in this time, a trying time. Take, thank you for passing this on. Okay, that was Friday and we did pray on it. And then tonight I got this. By the way, um, Nikki's been doing a great job of collecting these. So Armand Nikki, if you just thank her because she's really keeping her eyes on stuff. And I appreciate it because it's, it's opening up some really good communication here. So um, this was the note tonight. We just were told today that the doctor said he has ir- irreversible catastrophic brain damage. His wife, Sue, decided to take him off life support, and they started the morphine drip this morning. I've been texting with her. We weren't expecting this, as we were told yesterday afternoon he could come, we could come and visit Bob. And remember, this, he's part of the supper club. Our youngest son and their youngest son are great childhood friends. They are both in Austin, Texas, uh, batching it together. My my Jason took Randy to the airport and then called us to give us an update, or we might not have found out yet. It would take one of the greatest miracles ever 
to keep Bob with us. Not that Father couldn't do it, but we'll accept whatever God's will is. I've prayed for Bob as you have, as have you and Scott and Livin and Duncan and Bard's Nation. All we can do now is wait, pray, and be here if Sue needs us. It's in God's hands. I could send a message to Scott to update him, but I didn't know how, how soon he's able to read it. Well, we've got it. If you think you'd like to know right away, please pass it on. I do. Others, others let me know to uh, send. Others let me know to send the message. Thank you for your prayers. It's very comforting. Your sister in Christ, intrepid M. Okay, so we're gonna raise up some prayers here. We're gonna start the show out with this tonight. So please join me, Father. We're um, humbly here before you. And we pray for Bob, and we don't know. Obviously, this is a, an unexpected turn of events as he's faced with, we're facing a very catastrophic event that seems to be so innocuous and unexpected, falling downstairs. We're reminded in Philippians 4.12-13, I know how to get along with the humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance, as I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, but of having abundance and suffering need. I do all things through him who strengthens me. Father, we're just praying for Bob to have that, as in this moment in time, whatever state he's in, and we're praying for the family, his wife Sue and his son, and just praying for the comfort in their hearts of of being able to accept whatever comes. Father, if it's in your will, and if it's in your plan, we do pray for miraculous healing. We pray for that power that we know that you can bring to restore life. Through the blood of Christ, we know that all things can be healed. And so, Father, if this is your will, we pray for a miraculous healing of Bob. We know that you have your plans are laid out for us and we know that in these times what may seem difficult to comprehend is all within your design at the same time father um, as we pray here tonight we do pray for a miracle to restore him and to give him the extended time in this in this world to be with his family and son. We pray for mercy in this moment in time for whatever ills be done. We pray for a heart of repentance that in this process may the family and Bob all come together and find a deeper and more intimate relationship in Jesus. And we pray for your grace that you may bless this family with healing and the miraculous curing of what seems impossible by the hands of doctors and yet is all possible through you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. By Father's will. We'll see. Let's keep those prayers up, please. I want to talk a little bit about prayers given this a lot of thought over the weekend. Every Friday, we're, we're taking prayer requests. And it's very humbling. 
Um, there was a prayer request put out this week, which caught me a little bit off guard, and I, I just kind of want to address it. And I'm not going to be specific because we don't even know who it's from. But there was an unspoken, and I know this is done a lot, but um, unspokens are basically when someone says, I don't want to share what it is, but I just ask you pray for me because Father knows best. We're not going to do unspokens here. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. But in order for us to be effective in our prayers, we have to have something to wrap our prayers around. And we have to be able to be intentful with our prayers. And it's proving that way because when we have we have a focus, I think as I said last Friday, and I, to Duncan's credit, the kilted Christian, he brought this to my attention two weeks ago, that there was like 50% or more of the prayers are being answered within a week or two, which is amazing. And that's because we have the intention. And, and now... I'm not telling you that God doesn't hear, and I'm not telling you that God can't do miraculous things. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that specifically in a second. But for our purposes, where we're trying to live with intention and accountability, I think it's very important. Now, that also leads me to another thing about prayers. This is a great example of someone who gave us a lot of context of a prayer, and we know what we're praying into. And I would say that one of the things that we can never, we'll never know what, where God will give us mercy and grace. And there's no way I'm going to ever be able to speak for that because if God chooses to heal anybody, that's God's will and that's a, a vision of things that he understands that I don't or you don't. But at the same time, we have an obligation to live towards being in a sinless life. Can we? No. Be sinless, I mean, but that's our objective. So as we're, I would ask, and I would ask you to take this to prayer yourself, that as we are extending and requesting prayers, we need to be truthful with what we're asking. And this is my opinion and I'm, I'm, I'm balancing this with this place of God's unlimited mercy and grace with our living into a sinless life. These are kind of a, it's a seesaw a bit, right? I think it's our, I think it's our responsibility as we walk in this world to live into truth, even if that truth is uncomfortable. I was hearing a story today of a, from a pastor that there was a woman that came up and asked for prayers for an STD and they prayed for her in the church and she was miraculously healed. Short while later, she came and she asked for the same thing. And the pastor shared with me that he counseled her a bit and then they prayed for her and things seemed to get better. She came a third time and she asked for the same prayer. And the pastor said he got, he was just kind of indignant about it. He wasn't going to pray for her. And as he described to me, he said, I was rebuked pretty heavily by father. And the question put to me is, do you even know her story? 
And I, I think that's at the core of all of this. And his answer was no. And the other response in his prayers was, are you trying to limit me, God saying this, with whom I can heal? And of course the answer is no. So all I'm asking is that in, in the way that, and I'm offering this up as we pray and we bring in prayers, make sure your prayers are, I would just say, put your prayers truthful from the heart and to, um, because we're all praying into this. And if we end up with people that are, for some reason, putting in prayers that are just to try to be silly or mockful, we're still going to pray. And I would just say for anybody out there that thinks that's a funny thing, I, I'm only going to tell you you're going to be accountable to God on that one. We're going to pray for you. That's not an issue. But um, we are all accountable in the end. So I really hope we see a miraculous healing with Bob. That would be an amazing thing. I want to read Hebrews 4, 12 to, 13, 12 to 16. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and is piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are open and laid bare in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confessions, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet within, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our nation is coming to a, a, darkening, a darkening era. And... I believe truly that part of what is happening here is we are all being forced into a darkness to ultimately remind us that we can't get through this without him. Our neighbors and loving our neighbor is a principal issue here. It is a directive that we need to be doing. And so today, as I was in my walk I found myself in an interesting place dealing with some issues that are frustrating me with some problems that a friend has. And where I found myself defaulting to were the skills and plans of war, not the skills and plans of the sword of the spirit. And it was an interesting conversation that I ended up having with God on this. Because my default many times, like our default, is to seek a vengeful response. And it's not like some of this isn't justified. There are some real evil people out here right now. They're possessed 
in, in the darkest of ways. And the thing is that ultimately there has to be some sort of attempt to bring them to Christ, whether that's your hand, my hand, or somebody else's. But we're allowing too many of these people to run amok and not be confronted with the power of, of the Holy Spirit. I want to play something for you here. I'm going to, it's very, it's just noisy. And I want you to hear this crowd. And I'm going to explain what this is in a second. Take a listen. Okay, that piece you just heard was a speaker by the name of Posey Parker that was trying to be being ushered out of a crowd. And she has managed to spark outrage in New Zealand with a crowd ready to hoist her into the pit of fire. They were throwing stones at her. They were throwing tomato soup cans at her. She's a, she's a blonde woman whose hair ended up being stained red because of the things she was being hit with. And this is what she said. They sparked all of that. A woman is an adult human female. That's it. Her real name is Kelly J. Keen Minshul. She's from New Zealand. And she thinks the crazy idea that if you were born a male, you die a male. And in the time in between, you have no right to enter any women-only space. She contends that no matter how many hormones you take, you're still going to be what you were born to be. And this crowd was ready to lynch her. These crowds are running amok right now because the individuals like her aren't surrounded by powerful people standing in the body of Christ, but they're standing up to people to confront them, which is bold. And in so doing, they're being targeted aggressively and trying to be made an example of so others won't speak out. All will be held accountable before the Father. And really, as I was working through this today in my own process and praying into this a lot, because I this particular issue is a friend that I care for very dearly, and they're being they are in a situation with a person that is very deserving of a one-way ticket to the lake of fire. But this person I also know enough about to tell you that they were deeply wounded when they were young or in their younger years, I should say. And that vengeful heart is settled in on them and whatever demons taken its hold of them, they are finding joy in extending pain onto others. So the real question is, what is our role? 
and I prayed a lot on this today because it's we're in a place where we feel a measure of disempowerment when something like this happens. I know that the friend I have feels very disempowered right now. And the problem with that is it shouldn't be, but it is, because these fights end up being one-on-one and we feel isolated and we often don't feel connected closely with God and we also look for immediate miracles and problems that manifest in this nature. And our walk isn't always going to be easy. The virtue of being honest in the heart and loving is going to be often bear a a pretty heavy burden. To my friend's credit, he's working overtime not to have a vengeful heart, and it's not in his nature anyway, but it's taking a heavy toll on him. And it's difficult to sit on the side and watch this knowing that there are methods that could resolve this instantly and make the problem go away. But that puts us in the role of judge and jury. And it doesn't put us in the walk with kingdom. There's a lot of challenge like this all over the world. And it's a hand of the devil has really taken hold of so many people's hearts. And the question is, how do we respond? I think part of this trial right now is kind of twofold in this period. And this is, it's interesting because I received an email just before this show from Pastor Brad Cummings that was interestingly in parallel with a lot of the conversation I was having today in my own prayers. And you know, a lot of the confirmation about the state of where we're at. As a nation, this darkness has settled upon us because as a nation, we have turned away from Father. I don't think there's any question, anybody that doubts that simply needs to look around at the insanity that came out of nowhere seemingly. And the fact that there's no pivot for people to turn, there's no foundation for people to stand on in the mainstream life that has to do with Father God. It has been deeply stripped from our world with children being inoculated into the horrors of this communist thinking, which is nothing more than a satanic cult of trying to get them to destroy, to change their gender, hate their mothers and fathers, try to assume surgical modification to their body that will ruin them. All of this is about destroying God's gifts to the world. And the affirmative actions that we take when we we begin to see percolate up more and more. But as a whole, that body of Christ is still very complacent. We hear more pulpits, fortunately, starting to speak to these truths but there's still way too few proportionally that are speaking into being active in the community. And instead we're speaking within, the church is speaking a lot within four walls and not speaking into the world. 
And some of that is, as I quoted, I used the quote from the end of that conference in Portland, which was so on point, was when it was said at the end of that conference I was at about three weeks ago. That when, and the example was that when Antifa came to Portland, the pastors went inside of their churches and closed their doors to preach while Antifa took to ground and began sermoning and preaching the lie, the, that of the father of lies, which is absolute truth. And that's what we've seen all around here. So the real question is again, what can we do, especially when we get to individual problems? And I, I think that part of this is we're, we need to start ourselves being more forward in our leaning with prayer and with our engagements rather than confrontation, but engagements in the name of Christ to challenge people on their place in this world, to remind them of their accountability to God, to ask them what it is that drives them what it is that they find joy in evil and to ask and to remind them that so much of what we have in this world isn't going with us. It's not going anywhere. It goes back to Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is living and active and full of power. And now I'm reading from AMP, just so you know, I'm adding these things, making it operative, energizing, and effective it is sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing a judging, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's pretty heavy. And, and in this world of self-consumption, when so many are working towards a satisfaction or a vengeance onto the world because they themselves didn't get what they wanted or they themselves want what they want but are being told they can't. There's a certain measure of insanity and hysteria that's going along with this that ultimately is going to take a great deal of courage to confront. And yet we should not doubt the courage that we have because we have the blessing of Father God, and we were told again and again, fear not. This is a part of a deeper reflection that is, and by no means did all was all this resolved in a weekend of prayer and sitting with Father. But it definitely has opened up a, a glimpse to me of a different way of warfare. It's so easy and I for us to always imagine that trigger or that blade. It really is. Because we have been indoctrinated so deeply into everything in our world that conflict is always violent. If you doubt that, just look at any series on TV. And at one point or another, it's going to digress into a place of somebody killing another, someone beating another. And if we look at all of the things that are happening in our news, it's highlighting, even in Patriot News, it's highlighting the violence upon one another. Here's just a little side note for you that I find very intriguing. 
5% of the black population is engaged in these violent acts. And 60% of the crime is being produced by that 5%. But because the media keeps pounding forward at this idea that it's a racial black problem, a large percentage of the black population is starting to align with the uh, victimization model that those 5% somehow represent all of them. It's an untruth. And there's an untruth in that because we have, we are emphasizing difference and we're emphasizing separation and we're emphasizing bias that's being given to us, which is how they're dividing and conquering us. We still have a lot of division within churches. And we have a lot of division by church brand. If you listen to the interview with Matt Klepp from Friday, the one of the greatest things that he has done in his town is he's gotten people to just worship through the body of Christ and to share that encouragement with one another regardless of denomination. We have unbelievable power in our world. And I would say that God is not a fan of religion, but he is seeking a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And that also means that in this world, we have this obligation and necessity to continue to march forward to literally share the good news, to share the word, and to bring as many people to Christ. There are so many testimonies of those going in places where no one expected them to succeed, and yet they did, and they brought people to Christ. It takes a warrior heart. When I see this, uh, this issue like of this woman in New Zealand, and what I see is a woman that's standing alone, and I'm asking myself, is that because there's no Christians in New Zealand? Or is that because... She's one of the only ones that has the courage to speak the truth. And I would, without knowing the whole story, my guess is, by virtue of how it's happened everywhere else, she is one of the few with the courage. This problem with my friend, I've been to his house. We've prayed together. We've walked his property. I... We've prayed for a lot of things. And the community itself that he lives in, there's some really good Christians there. And, I, and it's really coming to a point where everyone's now been intimidated by one individual in the neighborhood. And I'm asking myself, why? Because he has money to threaten you with a lawsuit? We've lost that sort of spine in our communities, and I'm not putting blame on anybody in that community. I'm just saying in the way we live now, we've lost a sort of spine of directness to call people out for what they are and challenge them, but challenging them not in, an, in the way of trying to provoke a fight, but challenging them with the framework 
of where we stand with Christ. This goes back to what I talked about the last couple of weeks. The position that we take in the world right now is so critical that we stand on the place that the captain of the Lord of Hosts army stood. When Joshua saw him and asked him, are you for us or against us? And he says, no, or in some translations, neither. He's taking a step back and standing in kingdom. We don't typically do that. We try to get involved into the bias of the situation and we try to get our emotions or contain our emotions towards the frustration of what's going on. But we're standing in the mightiness of kingdom. It's really a question to anybody of where do you stand with Jesus in this situation? Where do, where are you going to be when you bring you who you are right now to the feet of Father God to explain how you're doing this action on another and enjoying the pain you're putting on another person as an example? We're not doing that enough. And I'm not going to tell you that in that situation you're going to have a miraculous moment of transformation and that someone may throw down and say, I'll accept Jesus. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm also not saying it won't happen. But what I do know is that when we put this before somebody and we're working within the space of the Holy Spirit, we are wielding truly the power of the sword of the Spirit. And we are planting a very powerful seed. I'd probably call it more like a spiritual IED within them that now will sit there like a stone in your shoe. And it will worm its way through their subconscious. It will worm its way in their spirit and their soul. And they will have to deal with that nagging agitation of knowing that somebody reminded them that they are accountable to God. And that's often when you get this follow-up of like, hey, uh, I want to talk to you about such and such. Do you have time? We're not going to get through this period of time easily. President Trump launched his rally in Waco this weekend. And it was a lot about how he's going to sink the deep state. And to his credit, for the first time, I think we've gotten some pretty solid details. But what I'm not hearing in any of this is when we talk about making America great again, we're not hearing any about this of restoring America back to the place where God rules over us first. That's falling more and more on our plate, and that's where we need to be. And in doing that, we have to start placing ourselves in the authority that we've been given. We have dominion over all evil. We have the right to step on snakes and scorpions. And that's not metaphor that has to do with Egyptian cult, dark magic of what made people ill, internal and external. The scorpion magic cult was about the things within and the, and the snakes as representative of what's exterior in simple terms. So we have been given that authority. And when it comes to what Christ told us, that we can do greater works than he, I'm always stunned at how few want to believe that and how many will try to rebuke that. And yet it's in red letter language. And it'll always be like, well, that's not really what he's meaning. It is exactly what he's meaning. But the question is, do people believe it in their heart? And are we willing to take the authority in a humble way to start becoming 
the kings and princes of the world that we were intended to be. Our job is not easy. By no means is it is going to be easy. And confronting evil is not something that is easy, especially when you're being on one side with your friends with somebody and there's another side and you're confronting. But when you're confronting evil, there is in the place of the captain of the guard of the, of the captain of the Lord of hosts army, you're holding each accountable to the same standard. Where are you with Christ? Where are you with Father God in this moment? And it's in that moment that you stand, that you become a communicator of a very powerful sense. And it's a communication now that's holding, asking each where they stand in accountability to heaven. This simple step in, in, in the way we engage people is going to, in my opinion, become increasingly important because this nation is going to go through a darkened period. If we simply look at the issues of food and what they're doing and what they're trying to do from food processing plants to distribution issues to trying to force people into cities, apparently 10, according to Trump, um, we're trying to get these vertical agriculture processes going, growing food out of a Petri dish. There is a cult that's going around telling us that God's provisions are not what we're going to be using. We're going to be using what science has taught us we can do by mimicking and mocking what God did. And worse yet, they're going to grow what they need so that we retain and within us this the nourishment to ensure that we are dumb, stupid, deaf, and blind. If we're going to defeat this, and I know that there is, in a country that is so unbelievably well-armed, no other nation like it on earth, an apprehension yet, even at that, of anybody to use their arms it ends up being this strange burden that we have. And yet maybe there's a pathway through here that we're missing that we need to open our eyes to. And that's this. We've been given a blessing that starts from the Declaration of Independence, which establishes moral law in our nation, meaning that anything in the Constitution is framed on moral law, inalienable rights. That means any legislation put forward in our nation that tries to take that away is just legislative nonsense because it can't be done unless God does it. What allows it is if we say yes to the legislation. Okay. But we've been given this thing called Second Amendment, First Amendment and Second Amendment. Second Amendment's in the second order for a particular reason. And yet it's amazing how mentally we default always to the Second Amendment, and yet functionally, we do nothing with it. At least very little, other than spend a lot of range time and a lot of money on ammo. And it, in, I'm giving you kind of a summation of a long weekend of prayer, but this was essentially at the core of this. What is it that I'm missing? And I would put to Father, what is it that I'm missing? And the reminder was, you've never needed it, meaning the Second Amendment. 
if you had truly understood the gifts that I gave you, which was authority and dominion. And that hit deep. And it's one of these things that, like all things, it's a discipline. We walk as children of the Most High, and yet lizard heads and greedy psychopaths run this world. How did that happen? And how is it that some psychopathic demasculating person who happens to live in a wheelchair can extend so much authority over a neighborhood simply because he's got a loud mouth and a checkbook. It should never happen. And it's not because we have to stone him, though that would probably be at moments my preferred method, though it's not my point. It's exactly opposite of my point. There is no collective rebuke and establishment of a moral order of which this does not perform. His attorney is as guilty or more guilty than anybody because like every attorney, they're just scum. They'll take any case, twist any measure of law. So the question there is, who has confronted the attorney? And in so of confronting the attorney, is the attorney held to account? Because this gets back to disputes and how we handle things within the kingdom. Has the dispute brought been brought to the person face-to-face? But in the sense of this, have they been reminded of their accountability within God's law? If they rebuke it or say it's not true, that's on them. And that opens up even more capacity to pray into things. If the attorney mocks it and says, I'm an attorney, you have no right here, that's okay. At least he's on record with Father of what he's now said that his discount or his discrediting of moral law. And each one of these things is building a case in the courts of heaven. And that's where we go with this. Because I don't think we're spending enough time. We're doing a lot of reactive. But are we spending enough time? And I'm telling you, I personally am not. So this is my own testimony here to you as well, is that when I look at these cases, I am not, or many of them, I'm not spending enough time building the case in the court of heaven for the problem that needs to be resolved. And I think if we each look at that that way, there is a very insightful Thing that comes out of this into the power of authority of dominion and the responsibility that goes with that power. Where much is given, much is asked. And in so doing, there's a way forward where there is an amazing growth in us and an amazing authority that we assume and an amazing maturing that we make in the body of Christ. Christ walked into the temples and confronted the Pharisees in the temples. Not in a way of trying to provoke a fistfight, but in calling out truth and holding them accountable. And if we say we are going to do the same, 
walk in the body of Christ. Aren't we obligated to do the same? And I'm putting myself equally in that statement to say, I am not doing it well enough. I'm telling you that. But I don't think many of us are. How many times do we have churches throwing stones at each other? It drives me nuts. And then you find out that not one of them has ever sat down and placed out their their issues before one another and at least had a conversation to say, this is what I am opposed to. But it's a lot easier to throw stones from a distance. And in a day of social media, look out because you can spread that all over the place and not have to do anything except from the safety of your desk. Which, you know, like on social media, you can talk about a lot of things, but until you get out and hook up that round bale of hay and drag it out and feed the cows, the cows aren't going to get fed. We have accountability in this world. And we have accountability to walk as if we are in kingdom. And if we're going to walk and take that authority that's given to us, then it would seem to me that we need to start acting like the kings and princes that we're supposed to be and build the cases for the court of heaven as we pray into that for resolution. That's essentially my thoughts for the weekend. Let's pray. Father, we're very humbled here tonight, thankful for the time that we share, thankful for the blessings given. And just to reiterate a prayer from earlier, we just really pray for something amazing and miraculous to happen for Bob and his wife Sue and their son. Equally, Father, in these reflections tonight, we just want to thank you for, again, eyes open as we continue to learn and relearn our role on this earth. It's so easy in the day of social media to cast stones, and it's so easy in the day of social media to talk about things and and rant, but to do the face-to-face as used to be, to speak truth to people from the position of kingdom. Effectively, that space where the captain of the Lord of Hosts army stood, we do that poorly. So, Father, tonight we're praying for all those that will join and be in agreement that you guide us with that understanding, a deeper appreciation and, and the opportunities and will to step into them, to speak truth to power, to speak truth to accountability and kingdom, to help build the case in the courts of heaven for the resolutions that we seek in prayer. Thank you, Father. Guide us, provide us with wisdom, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So some interesting thoughts. And it very, once again, this seems to happen every week. A little bit of time with Father opens up a lot of interesting insights. Our country needs to turn its eyes to God. And we have to start learning Maturing would be a better term in what it is to truly coexist in the body of Christ. We're unique. And our understanding of how God sees the world is infantile at best. His level of infinite love 
his level of grace and mercy are not comprehensible by us. We tend to be extremely rigid in those things. And I think if we take a step back slightly and try to dig a deeper or create a deeper understanding of what truly it is to be stewards and what it is to be disciples and what it is to be representatives of kingdom, I think that we begin to grow and mature in amazing ways, all of us, that only makes for a better place to live. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Chasing mountains I can't climb Holding out for heroes in
great sea. Sometimes it takes all you get to believe.